Warning, the hosts of this program are not broadcast professionals. They have no idea what they're doing. They are bad at this. One of them uses swear words. A lot. All complaints about this show are correct. You have been warned. This is your last chance to download a real podcast. Okay. This is Entitled Town. A gallon effort in Green Bay, but ultimately the Patriots fall to the Packers 27 to 24 in a game where they went into it with their second string quarterback, Hoyer. He gets hurt, concussed, and then Brady Zappi, who's been a professional quarterback for all of two and a half months, comes into the game and performs pretty admirably. Uh, Dan, what were your impressions walking away from what is would have been? And I have, Lord, do I have receipts from Brian Barrett's podcast last week that I've bored you guys with. What were your impressions coming away? Is the, is a moral victory uh, a safe phrase, to, a safe, an apt phrase to use? Mike on Route 1, and I bristled at that when he used that, but is that an apt phrase? That's exactly where I was going. They say there's no such thing as a moral victory, but I, I don't know what else to call this. You're, you're going toe-to-toe in Lambeau with Aaron Rodgers, with a fourth-round, third-string rookie quarterback in relief of your second stringer, and it comes down to one play in overtime. I, I should be bummed about this, but I'm, I'm really not. You know, I compared, you know, I think we've all thought about, we've used this, the 2001 Sunday night game when they, the Patriots played the Rams at Foxborough, the greatest show on turf Rams at Foxborough is kind of a leaping-off point for that season. And I'm not suggesting that here, John, but – they played really, really well on Sunday. Uh, Rogers is in a similar position as Mopey Tommy was in 2019, where they're transitioning to a number uh, cast of younger wideouts. And you know the Patriots were you know a little bit shorthanded up front. Lawrence Guy was out, and the Packers ran the ball wild. They ran for 199 yards in the game. Uh, what were, what did you take away from uh, the game Sunday? Well. Very comfortable saying moral victory. Uh, frankly, I enjoyed the heck out of watching it. You know, I, I just love how they played. They played extremely good complimentary football. Uh, I loved Jack Jones having a moment. Um, there was so much, that, you know, it, 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 what Dan said, you know, your third string, fourth round rookie quarterback who was in relief of the second string guy who nobody believed in. So, you know, nobody <laughs> believed in Hoyer and Zappy was behind Hoyer and yet they come in and they have the lead at the half. And, you know, the other thing it reminds you of, you know, we want to harken back to, nobody wants to really harken back to 2001, but we're all old enough to remember Tom Brady's first start. They beat the hell out of the Peyton Manning Colts. And then Jimmy Garoppolo's first start, Belichick designed the game plan and they win. Jacoby Brissett's first start, they win. Matt Castle's first start after Brady gets, you know, his knee torn up against Kansas City, they win. You know, so I'm watching it as a as an unabashed Belichick honk in Bobo and footy pajama wearer. I'm watching it expecting the Patriots to win this game, increasingly expecting them to find a way to win. So then they don't. Same. And I'm not I'm not pissed. I'm not disappointed. I'm not mad. I'm not that guy who's calling him a coward for not going for it on fourth and five in overtime, which was complete bullshit. You know, I'm, I'm just satisfied. I'm satisfied that 
like Bill Belichick still running the operation for my favorite team. And you look at what's ahead, we'll get into the Lions specifically and, and whatnot. Like if they play like that as the season goes on, they're going to be an extremely dangerous team. Are you actually suggesting that people didn't think that Brian Horry could, could win this game Sunday? Here's an excerpt from my buddy, Brian Barrett. Hey, my buddy, off the pike. You aren't winning shit with Brian Hoyer as the quarterback in the absence of Mac Jones. Thanks a lot, shithead. Uh, Dan, go ahead, please. Before I start doing the Cleveland shakes, I would appreciate if you would uh, continue on this point. That's so ignorant. I mean, I, I don't know how you can watch watch this team, watch Belichick for twenty years, and I wish and I, I wish I could show conclusion. The, I wish I could promote the pained look on your face when I played that point on the Zoom. Oh my gosh. You know, the stage was set for disaster, especially at the, 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 the tail end. You, you could think of all the different things that could happen in, in, at the, their last possession of regulation when they're, when they're down at the two. It's just under two minutes. I think yep. they have two timeouts left. And, you know, forgive me, but there's still a part of me that, that still thinks in terms of, okay, how can they get in a field goal position? But, you know, that was never, that was never at play, of course. That's not. Brady you know, derangement syndrome speaking. You still right. see number 12, the ghost under center. Right. But for them, the whole sequence was three plays and the clock, you know, and still everything could have gone wrong with, again, that this, this rookie quarterback, they, you, your, your, your mind reels at the, the possibility of a fumble of the snap or, or, a, or a pick six trying to throw one out. But all they did was they did three straight uh, Ramondre Stevenson yep. up, up the gut and, and the Packers had like 14 seconds left it, it was a small small thing in in the whole scheme of the whole game but that's the kind of thing that we expect from a Belichick team playing uh time clock management perfectly they had what 14 seconds left and then they had a penalty that sent them back so they had to do some bs you know try to uh flip it back type of play how often do we hear uh Belichick use the phrase situational football that was <laughs> pretty much a situational football masterpiece uh, to underscore Dan's point before I throw it to you, John Patriots have their ball at their own two with a minute 52 left. They have a third string quarterback who's in his fourth professional game and he's taking his first snaps. Everybody in the state of Wisconsin knows that they're running the football. Stevens left for two, excuse me, Stevenson left for two Stevenson left for five Stevenson for two. They're left with a fourth and one. They punt. Jake Bailey had a bad game. He put way too many balls in the end zone when they have to play a field position game, but uh, that that's neither here nor there. But I thought that was emblematic of how they needed to play football. They need to be cleaner. They need to commit less penalties. They need to do uh, play a little better on special teams. They need to not turn the ball over. But I don't know. Listen, you can debate the overtime, you know, not going for it on fourth down there, but Bailey actually executed a, a punt. He actually did. Yeah. It, and they went the length of the field, but I don't think anyone who watched that game with an objective eye and you weren't, you know, whoring yourself up for clicks on social media or to get people to uh, listen to your radio show. So you can hawk bonus supplements and auto glass. I just, I mean, that was a Belichick coaching masterpiece. And I think Matt Patricia called a good game as well, John. Yep. Yeah, it, it was a it was an absolute coaching masterpiece. And I'm just going to egg you on a little bit, Mike, you know, that Barrett clip, you know, picture that Barrett clip, let's say his much older brother in 2001 going into week three, 
you aren't winning shit with Tom Brady. You aren't winning. You know, it's like it's it's the same. You know, you are never going to beat Peyton Manning with Tom Brady, right? It's 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 the same sort of like goofball loser mentality. I don't get it. Like as Dan, as you said, we've been watching this show for twenty years. The guy knows what he's doing. He was able to put Bailey Zapp in positions where they were very, very functional. They've called some very good plays. That throw to Parker when they had, you know, the 47 second play clock. God bless those <laughs> officials on that. <laughs> you know, uh, the, you know, the, the throw to Parker was outside. That call was outstanding. You know, to, I mean, I think the three of us could have completed that pass, right? That being said, I, I wasn't, I, I had no qualms, no problem with the punt. Jake Bailey did execute. Green Bay started that drive at the nine. They had just gone three and out. And, you know, you're playing a field position game at that point. And I think when, when Belichick was gushing about Rodgers in the post game, it was that. It was, it was that drive. You know, when Green Bay had to have it, you know, when they couldn't afford another three and out with a, with a lopsided field position game and, you know, give the Patriots another crack at it. You know, when Aaron Rodgers had to have it, he had it. And that's, you know, that's what separates winning from losing in the NFL. It's that slight, that slightest bit right there. And, you know, and off we go to, to the next game. Is Aaron Rodgers auditioning to be an extra on Unforgiven? I'm just asking the question, Carlo. That's an interesting, uh, interesting look, Aaron. Uh, hey, I will say, I will say, though, I will say, I did catch Aaron Rodgers' appearance, as a, a clip of his appearance on the Pat McAfee show, which I guess is a weekly Tuesday thing. And his love for Bill Belichick has me, at least, at least he game recognized game, as the kids say. All right. Well, one more. Uh, just please, please just bear with my inanity. This is one last clip from uh, that makes you want to bri- drive into a bridge abutment off the pike. They won one game with Mac against the Pittsburgh Steelers. You think they're winning anything with Brian Hoyer? I can't see that whatsoever. All right. Um, while I remove my own my head from my own rectum, uh, Dan, your final thought. Uh, well, not your final thought per se, but. Uh, Sunday in Green Bay encouraged. Um, they're in a really interesting spot coming up. They're playing a Lions team that is just horrible on defense, absolutely horrendous on defense. They just gave up 48 points to Geno Smith and the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, Zappy, assuming Zappy plays, that's a big assumption at this point. Hoyer's in concussion protocol. And after that, two attack of Iloa nonsense in Cincinnati last week and the Buffalo game before that, I got to think they're going to be airing on this, uh, the really safe side of the concussions. Um, they're in a pretty good position against Detroit on Sunday. He's got a week of, to prepare whoever the start is going to be. Uh, I don't think anyone, Jared Goff's a functional NFL quarterback. He's obviously been to a Super Bowl. Uh, I don't particularly, I'd have zero, I had zero fear for him when they played him in Super Bowl 53 but they're in a decent position on Sunday um, to try to pull off. The Lions are the Lions are in a uh, transitory period, much like the Patriots are. But uh, what do you what do you expect this coming Sunday? The, the Lions are a good team to run against. I mean, at least they've been like that so far. I don't. Um, Rashad I, Penny in his 151 yards Sunday agrees with you. What I love what I loved about the game this past Sunday was, it was such a statement making game. It was a loss, but it was a statement making loss. So Belichick has said that uh, September is an extension of training camp. And and so now you're starting to see this is who the team is now, but that's true of every team. You know, I don't want to just look at the next five teams and say, Oh, this, you know, these, these guys are, are pushovers and the Patriots are going to, 
have it have it easy that their training camp is now over as well so who knows what's going to happen with them but this this is the exciting time because this is when the season really starts and i i feel pretty confident going in with what they showed especially with the offensive line this past sunday agreed as i texted you guys during the game they were absolutely controlled the uh, the line of scrimmage on offense on sunday against the team that is a, a decent defense. I guess the Packers struggle a bit against the running game, but they did, were able to, to run the ball very effectively. Stevenson and Harris having typically solid games. Um, John, let me give you the, the skinny on the Lions. They are 32nd in the league with points again. They're giving up 35.3 points a game. Again, they made Geno Smith look like, uh, you know, prime uh, Joe Montana on Sunday. Um a good spot, you know. You can't take you can't take any team for granted in this spot, considering you have a, a third stringer starting, and God forbid Garrett Gilbert has actually has to see the field, who they just signed to the practice squad today. But pretty good spot, home game, NFC team, not familiar with them that much. Good running game. The Lions have a tough time, and a quarterback who's uh, has a pretty good track record of being able to be flustered uh, a little bit easy. Yeah, I love what the Patriots are doing defensively. I think they're playing extremely well, and I, I think they're building. They're getting better and better. I, I suspect they'll be ready for Detroit from a defensive perspective. And, yeah, as you said, I mean, 140.3, 140.3. Geno Smith's QBR last week against the Detroit defense. I mean, that is like – I mean, you talk about a guy who is a scrap heap quarterback putting up, like you said, vintage Joe Montana numbers. So – you know, it, now granted, I would feel better if Mac were starting than than Zappy, but I I expect Belichick will have these guys ready, and I expect they're going to play a good game. And then I'm going to trigger Mike on Route One with this one, the coaching matchup. I mean, we're talking like as lopsided as it gets in the NFL. Bill Belichick against Dan Campbell. I think my biggest fear is that when Belichick retires, Kraft is going to hire somebody like Campbell. Because it, it is literally the flip side on the pendulum, you know, going from a guy like Belichick to the hard knocks, rah, rah, cheerleader, cornball, Dan Campbell. Like, I do not want a guy like Dan Campbell. coach. Do you know who the equivalent ever. would the Patriots equivalent would be of Dan Campbell? May I offer one to the panel here? It would be absolutely be Ted Johnson. Ted Johnson. Yeah. Yeah. God forbid. I mean, let's let's hope he doesn't get an assistant job in like, you know, swamp skit to prepare himself for something like this. Dan, how many kneecaps will be bitten in Foxborough on Sunday by the Lions? Gosh. That's an unfair – I'm really putting you in a bad spot there. Is it, the Lions are, are truly the antithesis of the Patriots. The Deuce Staley – if you guys watch Hard Knocks at all, oh, the Deuce Staley Aaron Glenn stuff, I, I actually felt bad for Aaron Glenn I, on I the sideline. Bring Aaron Glenn over. Yeah, save that dude from that program. And and by the way, Dan, the answer is all of them. All <laughs> I, I forgot the kneecap reference. <laughs> Completely blanked on that. Yeah, I actually he's, wish he's a peach. I actually wish they're doing a, an in-season hard knocks with the Arizona Cardinals, which means that Cliff Kingsbury is going to contribute to the downfall of of the environment by getting even more hair gel. Who wears more hair gel, John? Matt Lafleur or Cliff Kingsbury? Sean McVay is not on this list. Sean McVay is, a, is an Instagram model with a play calling sheet. Good God. I was so happy to see uh, the Rams take it last night. I mean, McVay kissed the ring before Super Bowl 53. And 
Yeah. I mean, obviously he's a good coach, but don't get me wrong. This this is more grooming tools being used in that McVay coaching chain. Is there a McVay coaching chain? I guess you got Kingsbury, LaFleur, and uh Shanahan, right? I guess no, I guess Shanahan would be on McVay would be on Shanahan's. What was Taylor part of? What 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 um what tree is Taylor part of? Oh, Zach Taylor. He's not a he's not a tree, he's a broken off branch. Holy cow. No. Um, that Cincinnati team, that's the, the fact that they made the Super Bowl last year. Poor Mike Lombardi on his GM Shuffle podcast. I think his brain short circuited uh, when the that Bengals team managed to go to the Super Bowl. I mean, uh, he he just loses his mind over them putting Samaji P Ryan on the field over Joe Mixon. All hey, the remember time. that uh, McVay Wickersham said that McVay could be the best ever. Yeah. <laughs> ask Peter. Ask Peter Schrager what he thinks once he gets his head out of. Well, Sean McVay's lap, but uh, again, that's neither here nor there. Dan, um, Sunday Buffalo played uh, in the rain and the remnants of Hurricane Ian in Baltimore. And we've, I guess we're kind of an analytics skeptical podcast. So the Ravens had the ball fourth and one with about two minutes to go. And the tie game is tied 20 to 20. And they have the best kicker in football, despite the conditions. They go for it. Lamar Jackson throws an interception with the worst possible takeaway mm-hmm. outside of a pick six. Jackson throws an interception in the end zone. You lose the ability to turn it over on downs, have them start in the shadows of their own goalposts, and have a safety to win the game on the, on the, on the table. What is John Harbaugh doing? What is he thinking? Did you is, hear analytics, is this analytics gone wild? Did, did you hear his justification in the press it conference afterwards? Incomprehensible. He he justified it by saying that, well, if I go for the field goal, now uh, now the Bills are in four-down territory, and my guys have to defend four-down downs. It's like, just In a just monsoon, by the way. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's factually just not even true. They don't have to defend, defend four-downs. You know, the, 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 the bills would have kicked a field goal and sent it to overtime. It's, it's just, well, he's saying going up the field, four downs, going up the field, sure, going no... up the field until they're in field goal range, but right. it's, I don't know. If it's, it's 23 to 20, they're going to go for it on fourth and 10 anyway, at their own 20. There's no other calling up punting. There. Right. Right. That's exactly right. But that's his justification. And it's like, it's, it's not enough to over overshoot just just taking the easy points they get they get too tempted when they're up there they get they they get down to the three and it's it's just too tempting to to go for it all um could it be as as simple and stupid as there's somebody up in the booth looking at the the fourth down bot twitter feed and and telling them you know you should go for this hashtag context free yeah, your 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 winning percentage is is one point six percent greater if you go for this. Why are you channeling? Google. Why are you channeling Brian Barrett there? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like it's that's context free data. I, I I do not view myself as analytically skeptical. I like smart data and context, and I think that's that's how I think all of us roll. Isn't yeah, that what a hi- th- that's what a hybrid is? I mean, you take all the information that's available, but there's also and I think we've seen, I wonder if we're like, baseball has went way, way, way on the side of analytics. We think back to Billy Bean, the A's of the early 2000s, with the Moneyball stuff uh, going over the top, basically out of 
you know, for reasons of poverty, because Billy Bean Moneyball wasn't on base percentage. It was identifying undervalued assets. Yeah. And I think that the, uh, the hybrid model of analytics and, you know, someone with football acumen who's not married to the analytics is probably, I mean, going to either extreme in any case, whether it's politics, whether it's relationships or whether it's sports, going to the extremes is, it makes you maybe too predictable and easy to defend and probably wrong. I think, I think the hybrid model is probably the way to go. Lombardi's talking about, because I've heard him in his pod talk about the fact that coaches are getting better at planning for other coaches going for it on fourth down. So you're right. Moneyball is about identifying and exploiting market inefficiencies. It's a and that's what Doug, that's what right? Doug Peterson did with the Eagles in that's 2017. Exactly right. They that's weren't prepared right. for the fourth down it, shit. The Philly special in Super Bowl 52, God forbid. I rep- yeah. God may lightning strike me. I've ever referenced that in the podcast again. Yeah, strike that. Shaq, strike Shaq, it. Shaq, delete, that. delete. I am just a figment of your imagination. But, but it's, it's, and that's, I think the biggest mistake is like these kids with data, they, they bow before the data. And again, whether it's that's what Barrett's doing, right? It's sports or business. You have to have the data within the context. And also you pay your leaders to be able to interpret the data in part based on their lived experiences. And that's where Belichick is a master because his, his ability to kind of understand the flow of the game and the, the rhythm of the game, you know, the game almost takes on like the, the rhythm of a, of a, you know, a life of its own. And it doesn't live within the context of, you know, random data that has nothing to do with anything. It lives within the context of that moment. And I think a good example of that is the stupid ass surrender index data on the Patriots decision to punt in overtime, which was viewed as like a 99th percentile cowardice move based on this. And it's like, you have to ask yourself, how many of those punts occurred with your third string quarterback on the road, right? In, in, against a guy like Aaron Rodgers. I mean, you play field position in that situation. Bill Belichick has only done this for longer than I've been alive. And if his gut is telling him you play field position in that because your defense has had some success in stopping him and you're going to put him inside the 10 and you trust your all pro punter and all these things factor in, you know, they did execute. And then Aaron Rodgers executed as well because he's one of the all-time greats and that's how it goes. But to, to think that some stupid ass bot programmed by a kid in his first year computer science class is, is definitive is ridiculous. And that's, that's what I think bothers me. It's the definitive nature. Well, the data says this ergo it is. And it's like, no, 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 that is, you are going to fail your entire life. If you rely on data without context in that sort of fashion. And what's the the same surrender index? uh, Didn't it criticize them for the punt at the end of regulation when they're sitting on the, you know, the eight yard line or whatever it was. <laughs> yeah, they're a C here from their own end zone and punting yeah. and surrendering that. Come on, child, please. I'm sure their win probability was better going for it on fourth and one in that case, right? Yeah. Than, than it was punting it away. What's the all-time analytics are for fool's moment? It's Super Bowl 49. When Belichick looks over at the Seattle sideline, see that there's chaos. They have yep. no idea what they're doing. And, you know, Brian Flores is on record on the first do your job. He goes, he goes, Bill, do we want to call a timeout here? Bill goes, no, I got this. And Belichick then goes on to explain this, you know, in his sit down with the camera. I mean, we've all seen, I don't have to tell you, is it? No. He just no. says, no, no, we got this. 
we're good. And he called their bluff and it, well, it worked out to a legendary, uh, it's completely and totally legendary. God, that's Super Bowl 49. That is Viagra for the soul. All right, Dan, keep shitting on analytics. Okay. I, I don't know if we've evolved or devolved since fourth and two. Because back then, everybody said that Belichick was crazy to try to go, try to win it with that one play. Great, great and, point. And, and now everybody's saying he's a coward for not going for it on fourth and five. You know, I'm, I want to give you a Ted Nation round of applause for that. Can you imagine the fourth and two, the, the uh, first of all, that game, you know, the, the results of that game was terrible. But, you know, John, to, to, the, to bring it back to your final point, context. There was yep. no way the Patriots defense was stopping the Colts in that game on the road uh, in the fourth and two game. That's, Dan, that is a really, really good point. It's like analytics gone wild, matched with game situation. Just because you make the correct decision doesn't mean that it always works. It's not, uh, you know, results bias is a thing. Do you agree, John? Yep, yep. And it goes both ways. I mean, you know, sometimes you make the wrong decision and it does work. Right. And that, then you get your confirmation bias that the wrong decision confirmation um, bias. Yeah, that's, that's the, first. you know, it is, is, you know, the wrong decision is the way to go. And I don't know, maybe Harbaugh, you know, coach, coach John Harbaugh is, you know, dealing with that because some of his early stuff, you know, his early fourth and, and whatever's and, and early two point conversion, you know, plays worked. So now he's under the impression that they're always going to work, but I think, you know, the, the teams have adjusted the game has adjusted and it's it's not the market inefficiency it used to be and of course the analytics are all backward looking right so you're drawing off of data that doesn't reflect the current reality which is another problem with data so you have to you have to go with the context you have to go with your gut you have to hire people who have the lived experience and can can join those two things together you know the the data and the and the lived experience and, and the professional expertise, right? You know, there's a there's a really good line. It's it's something to the effect of, you know, not everything that's worth counting counts, and not everything that counts is worth counting, right? And mm -hmm. I think that's that's some of the noise in the data is another problem. There's just too much irrelevant data that means nothing, and too few people have the ability to sift through and determine what matters and what doesn't. Unfortunately, yeah. the, the hindsight contrarians are never wrong. No, never. Yeah. Uh, we Matt Chatham is going to join us on Entitled Town this week. Matt, Matt Chatham has done God's work uh, battling with the, the hindsighters, and uh, he's on board with uh, kind of our greater overall ethos of calling out the media. They, I can only imagine what former NFL players think of what the the Boston media and the Patriots media in particular uh, have to offer with their insight using my Dr. Evil quotation fingers. Dan. All right. Wait, ahead, so, so on that, I was bothered by the immediate positivity coming out of the loss this week. Okay. My conspiratorial. <laughs> it's building them up to tear them down, John. That's all it, it is. So, right. So, so, I mean, I, look, let's go you know, tomorrow's headlines today. Right. You know, the, 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 the number of mediates that were cheering on positive effort that were willing to talk about moral victory, 
you know, what are they, I'll ask you guys, what are they setting up? Are they setting up a Bailey Zappi, Mac Jones quarterback controversy? Are they setting up, you know, hopefully wish casting the Patriots lose against Detroit this week. And, you know, then they can go back to shitting all over them. And that game against Green Bay was an aberration. And all you, you, you know, footy pajama wearers got your hopes up. I mean, what, what's the con here? Because it's all, there's always a con. Bertrand did that today. He's already calling it a quarterback controversy between Zappi and Mac Jones. Wow. And Dan, I wish I could. We need to make Dan's exasperated reactions to some sort of <laughs> gif that goes on. Um, but does Bertrand count? I mean, we're talking the D-lister here. Are they, hold are they on. He's a D-lister who desperately wanted to be on the podcast two weeks ago. <laughs> so wait. So if you ever played Stratego, you remember the scouts? You sent him into the bombs to find out where the bombs are. Yeah. Right. It's a, it's a great board game. Highly recommend it. You know, Bertrand's like the scout that gets sent into the bombs on the other side of the Stratego board to see like where the vulnerabilities are for, you know, for next week's uh, sports radio, you know, talking head agenda. So I'm not sure I put a lot of faith in him. I, I want to know where the, the A-listers are going. Did they play Stratego on the far side comic strip, Dan? Oh, God. Dan. Set me up with a question. What these non sequiturs you're throwing at Dan? I don't know how fair this is. What are you doing? Uh, they're old goofball board references. <laughs> I, I want to ask you guys one more question before we uh, mercifully wrap up this podcast. Dan, when you saw Hoyer go down and he went into the locker room and Zappy came under center, what level of you was mortified thinking that Cam, a return of Cam might be imminent? Oh, zero. Zero? zero? You're a better man than I. No. Zero. Zero, for sure. No. I'd rather see Steve Grogan under center <laughs> than Cam Newton at this point. Dear Lord, did we, did we see him in Carolina with the, actually the fork sticking out of his back mm -hmm. when he was under center last year? Dear Lord. So I, <laughs> Team Hoyer, Team Zappy, Mac, please get well. Team Hoyer, Team Zappy, Team Jeff Carlson before Cam, right? So speaking of teams, despite Jared Carabas getting on the bandwagon, John, the Seattle Mariners, America's team, the Seattle Mariners, they clinch a playoff berth on a walk-off home run on Friday night. A really, really cool moment. I think it was Friday night. Cal Raleigh, um, career minor leaguer who's hit 26 home runs this year, comes in in the bottom of the ninth, hits a home run off the Hit It Here restaurant in Safeco, what should be still called Safeco Field. Fuck the magenta from T-Mobile. Uh, hits a home run. Uh, a really, really great moment, reminiscent of the Jeff Stone single oh, that clinched oh, the yeah. AL East for 1990 when we uh, we were driving to New Hampshire uh, for a weekend camping. But uh, are you in all in on the Mariners? All in, all in on the Mariners, absolutely. Who in the the Rogues Gallery of the American League? You know, you're walking into the the Moss Eisley Cantina or whatever the hell it's called in Star Wars with uh, all those like <laughs> career. You talk about career minor leaguers, career criminals and hoodlums like the Yankees and the Astros and those other ALAs teams that made the playoffs, but the Red Sox didn't. I'm absolutely all in on the Mariners. All aboard. All aboard. Soto Mojo. Is that what they call it still there? Is it's, it still Soto Mojo? It's like 20-year-old bumper stickers on, you know, 25-year-old <laughs> Camrys that have Soto Mojo on yeah, the, I, on I the figured back all that rain, those cars would have rusted away by now. Is that that that, that hasn't happened? Well, you're you're on team Woby Mike with the weather forecaster. <laughs> I, I really appreciate that. Dan, do you have any uh, dog in the fight in the Major League Baseball playoffs here? No, I'll, just, I'll go teal. Go teal. I beseech you. You know, with the socks out of it, you just 
with there's no dog in the hunt, so you just enjoy the, them for what they are. The Mariners have a really good starting rotation. They have a bunch of guys in the back end of their bullpen that throw a hundred. Um, their best player is a, a young superstar, Julio Rodriguez. He's he's twenty freaking years old. Yeah, he's almost. Um, my nephew in California is almost as old as Julio Rodriguez. Mm -hmm. He is, he's a fantastic player. He's hurt. He's coming back. The team Marin is here in the Irons household. Um, and hopefully it'll be a teal October. Uh, anyone have any final thoughts? Dan, Dan already admitted that he did not have a final thought. Are you going to pass Dan? I no. I, I have one, one question before we close out. I have a question for the few of you. Um, so we saw the end of the game after the game was over and Belichick and Rogers are in, in an embrace. And in the vein of like lost in translation, I want to ask you guys, what do you think Belichick whispered to Rogers? Go ahead, John. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> There's so many ways we could go with yeah, this. It, it has to be. Oh, I know what it was. It was, there's nothing more important than family, Aaron. There's nothing more important than family. It's you've got to get reunited with your family. They'll be gone before you know it. Stick with your family. They'll always have your back. <laughs> I'll offer is like, who's LaFleur's hair guy? That's that's what I would know. Where <laughs> LaFleur gets his hair done. I'll, I'll say uh, something like uh, he, he'll say, so Aaron, you know, all those 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 Twitter memes, those Internet memes that say that if. If I had been your coach for 10 years, you would have had 10 Super Bowls. <laughs> and and Aaron said, yeah, and he's like, they're all true. They're all true. <laughs> Han Solo, it's all true. <laughs> I think, you know, we give McCart uh, excuse me, we give Rogers a lot of shit about coming up short in the playoffs. And, you know, his resume certainly, you know, suggests that at some point. But goddamn, Mike McCarthy in Dallas. I mean, who who looks worse? Kingsbury in Arizona, McCarthy in Dallas. You know, we, you know, John and I are texting furiously on Sunday. We so badly want Sean McDermott to fail so we can start this meathead McDermott thing. And the, all those hot-headed assholes up in Buffalo, John, you know, stepping yeah. on their own dicks. But, you know, I mean, Josh Allen has a little bit of that in him, too. But, uh, yeah, how close, how happy were we at halftime when Buffalo was taking it on the chin against Baltimore? It's like, you want to talk about premature celebration. I mean, forget about it. Yeah. Well, I, I, delete those texts, by the way. Yeah, I, I just wanted, uh, you know, everybody to kind of come back to parity a little bit. You know, there's so much parity across the league right now. It was at the NFC West. Everybody's two and two. It's, yep. you know, it, there's a long season ahead. You know, it's, you know, kind of corny, corny thing to say, but there's a lot of games to be played and nobody's running away with it. Nobody looks particularly dominant. And, you know, as we've seen it before, how you're playing in September has nothing to do with how you're playing in November and December. So uh, I'll say one last thing. Rodney Harrison, God bless him. If you saw his comments before the Monday night game, talking about concussions and talking about the league's indifference to concussions and almost a call to action to every single player, young player, players in college, whatever, you know, we add that to the end of this. I, I, I think everybody should hear it. No, let's do it the, now. Let's do it when you're done with your comment here, John. And the water carriers in NFL media, I took a moment today to look up Breer, because I don't follow any of these guys, Schefter, Breer, Field Yates, you know, Rapid the rest part. of the boys with NFL Pravda who, who do nothing but pretend to, to be journalists and instead are just carrying the water for the league. You know, they're all tweeting out Bobby Wagner blowing up that guy running around on the field 
and none of them tweet out Rodney Harrison's comments. Tony Dungy's yeah. standing there like he just saw a dead body, right? And yep. Rodney Harrison is hammering the league for their indifference and their, their willful neglect of player health and safety and just laying it on him. God bless him for doing it, showing more courage than the collective unit of NFL journalists. Um, it, I just thought it was remarkable. And of course, it's going to keep him out of the Hall of Fame, but he is a better man than any of those characters. The, the look of fear on Dungy's face was something to behold. Like, you know, this, I'll put this it isn't, on, this I'll isn't put it in the, my notes. What do I? I'll put it on <laughs> the Twitter pod account. Of course, John, uh, Tony Dungy has firsthand experience uh, with people who are dead far too soon. Guy, coach, I would get hit. My head, the entire stadium is spinning around and I would go back into the game. It's not worth it, Maria. And I would implore these young men don't go back on that football field if you get hurt because I don't want them to have to feel like me and so many other former players that had to deal with concussions, whether it's depression, anxiety, paranoia, broken relationships, not being able to communicate with your spouse and things like that. It's a lot. CTE takes you to a dark place, and I want these players to know it's not worth it. Please take care of yourself. Don't depend on the NFL. Don't depend on anybody. If something's wrong with your head, report it. Well God said by God bless Rodney Harrison, great right. patriot, and really took a you know, an important message there. And Tony Dungy's face, as you guys said, I'll put it on the podcast Twitter account. He is absolutely mortified. John is at that John Irons. Dan is at Patriots Daily. My name is Mike Irons. I implore you to stay off the pike and to please, for the love of God, as always, turn off your radio. And we're going to stay positive all the way through. And if you think I'm going to succumb to negativity, you're wrong. you got the wrong guy leading this basketball team. Sunday, Monday, happy days. Tuesday, Wednesday, happy days. Thursday, Friday, happy days. The weekend comes, my cycle hums. Sky, hello blue. There's nothing can hold me when I hold you. It feels so right, it can't be wrong. 